in 1 Peter chapter 3. So you can go on and turn there if you would. And what we're continuing to see, and I believe the Lord's really blessed this. I'm very thankful uh, just for His Word. I'm so glad we don't have to make up something exciting every week for, you know, for the church. The, the Lord's Word is so rich and living, and He knows what we need. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Lord. Amen. It's profitable for us. But last week we, we talked about uh, the relationship basically between wives and husbands, just in part. I don't think we covered the whole topic, but we did talk about uh, wives being in subjection to their own husbands. We talked about that. We talked about the, the adorning. It says of a woman should not be the, the makeup. It's not a forbidding of wearing of apparel or forbidding of wearing of makeup. It was what, it, what constitutes a person's beauty. And I would say for any believer, it ought to be the inward man of the heart. It ought to be it says that's pleasing in, in God's sight, the gentle and quiet and, and meek spirit that in God's sight is of great value. And so in the last couple of Wednesdays, we've been talking about the relationship with the believer. Remember we talked about kings and authorities and how we're to be in subjection to those things. Even uh, masters, uh, servants being of subjection to their masters, not just to the kind ones, right? But uh, So it has to do with the believer's relationship with people. All right. It's easy to uh, to be a Christian if there were no people, you know, if it was just you and the Lord. But uh, we're sinners, and we live in the midst of sinful people, and so it, we're not just living this out in a virtual reality or kind of thing. We're living amongst people, sinners like ourselves. We have to remember we're one of them. Okay, uh, and so he's dealing with our relationships with people. And this week specifically is going to be the believer's relationship. Pretty much we're going to focus on the believer's relationship with the body, with other believers in the church. So we've passed through you know, worldly rulers and leadership, husbands and wives, masters and servants, and now we're getting to the relationship with the believer. So if you would, read 1 Peter 3. We're going to read 8 through 12. Finally, be ye all of one mind having compassion on one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. We're just going to stop right there. That last passage in, in verse, pretty much verse 12, that's taken from Psalm 34. Pretty much an exact quote from the Psalms right here. And so Peter's bringing this back to remembrance. You know, it says here in verse uh, Ten, he that will love life and, and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. We're going to get into that a little bit more in just a moment. But one pastor said, Christians don't gossip. They don't gossip. They just share. You know? And it's pretty much, we, we have to watch that sharing uh, as well. We have to be careful that our speech is, is ordered by the Lord. You know, we can gossip sometimes in the most spiritual way. And uh, the Lord would have us not to do that, of course. 
But let's just look at this. So we're talking about this more instructions for the believers, specifically uh, within the body of Christ, for the most part. Now, you've all heard probably of the Moravians, right? The missionary group that got started. And um, there's, there's a town, of a Moravian town. It was composed almost solely of Moravian believers. These are Christians with a real heart and passion for missions and for reaching the world and being dedicated to the Lord. And the town was called Hernhut. And it says that when visitors would go there, and even Frederick the Great made a comment about it, it says that every visitor to that unique settlement, and I'm quoting, has been arrested by the careful accuracy which with the principles of their religion and theology have been exemplified to the minutest detail in the lives of, in, of its inhabitants. Basically what he's saying, everybody that goes there and visits this town is struck by how Christian they are. Because they have the theology, but then it's exemplified among the people and how they live amongst each other and how they treat strangers and how they treat one another and so forth. And uh, they said it was a complete embodiment of the the marvelous scriptures that we just read about how believers are to treat one another. And he says right here in verse 8, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, courteous, and so forth. And in this Moravian town, I know nobody's perfect, and they wouldn't have claimed to be perfect, but it's evident that they lived out their faith. They took what they read, say from 1 Peter, that we just read, and they said this is God's decree for us. This is God's commandment or instruction for us. This is the pattern of life that He's given us. And by the Holy Ghost, you always, always have to bring that back in. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live it. You know, I've gotten frustrated, I guess at times past, I guess in my own inability to to walk out things in in my faith. And we do that. And we're going to wrestle with things and we're going to struggle with things. But day by day and little by little, it is God which works in us both the will and the do of His good pleasure. I've also got frustrated when I hear preaching or teaching that says, if you try to do any of these things, that you're somehow arrogant or you're a Pharisee, or you're trying to do it in your flesh. That's, it's not true. You can live this way. I'm not saying that I have. I don't stand up here as one is perfected and say, now follow me and do it just like I, I do it because I've perfected 1 Peter 3, 8-12. through 12. I'm simply saying that if it were not possible, God would not call us to, to do that. If it were not possible, then God is a liar, which He is not. And His Word is a liar. Because He says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so, Paul said, it's not I that lives any longer. I'm crucified with Christ. He obviously was still living. So what is He talking about? He's talking about being dead to that old man and Paul's way of living and allowing to an increasing, ever more increasing degree, the, the Lord Jesus Christ to live in and through Him. It's ongoing. Salvation is in a moment. Remember our studies on, on uh, justification and holiness of practical and positional. So the salvation is in a moment. The right standing with God comes by faith in Jesus, not by works. It is God's grace by which we're saved. But then He does something amazing in that life that He has saved. And He actually equips us to live like the Bible says. Like He calls us to. And so, don't preach or teach nor believe that if you're try or striving for holiness, practical personal holiness, Eric says, I want to be holy like Jesus. 
And he strives to live that way. Oh, Eric, you're so prideful. You're so arrogant. You could never do that. You're trampling all over the grace of God. What a Pharisee. What a legalist. No, I don't think you would see that amongst the disciples of the apostles. You would see them saying, Amen, brother. Keep plugging along. Remember that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember that it's the Lord working in you. Yield. Submit. You know what I'm saying? Obey. Yield. Submit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. But go for it. You know what I mean? Go for it. In the power of His might. And that's what we're all about as believers. What are we doing here? If there's no furthering our spiritual progress and our growth in the Lord, let's just go home and watch TV. You know what I'm saying? We're here. We're provoking one another, like it says in Hebrews 10, to love and good works. These Scriptures are to be lived. They're to be believed. They're to be held to. They're to take His Word and hide it in our hearts that we won't sin against God. We also see time and time again, Lord, I don't measure up. The wives don't measure up maybe to what it says in the beginning of this chapter. Husbands don't love their wives like their own bodies or like Christ loved the church. So what do we do? Say this is all a big sham? No, we go before the Lord and say, God, You are helping me, but i got a long way to go. And I thought I was doing really well and you showed me some other areas where I certainly am lacking. Be honest. I'm lacking in this, God. Would you strengthen me? Do you not think the Lord will help you in that area? Do you think He'll help you be kinder to your wife and love your wife as your own body? He can. And He will. So I'm just saying that just in general. You know, when we go to Scriptures like this, we're not to shy away from them and always have to every other word say, but remember, you know, we're not perfect. Remember, don't be a Pharisee. Remember, don't be a legalist. Remember, don't try to do it in your flesh. Of course, of course, the Word of God is equally as, you know, balanced on that. It is by the power of the Lord. Do we need to say that? Absolutely. We say it often. But I'm not going to apologize for the Scriptures as though obeying the commandments of the Lord is somehow legalistic. It's not. Obeying Christ is not legalistic. It's life in the Spirit. Okay? And it is truly... The, I always think about this. The Lord didn't save me to sin. He saved me from sin. Okay? So whatever grace theology someone has that allows them in their minds to, to sin and be okay with it, that's not the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He did not save me to sin. He saved me from sin. Do I still sin as a believer? Absolutely. More times than I care to mention. But it's not grace's fault. And it also doesn't mean I should stop striving after holiness. Because the Word of God says, lift up those feeble hands that hang down. Make straight those paths. And you, you pursue after the Lord with you know, holiness and so forth. And so, God is our strength through all of it. And we're not to forget that. So let's get back to this. Um, when we see this, this Moravian town, for example, and I'm just going to read what was written about it. A complete, these are just a few little phrases. A complete embodiment of these verses that we just read from 1 Peter 3. All of one mind. A holy unity. A common disposition. Ministering to the saints. Full of pity to the weak. Courteous to equals. Calm and forgiving under abuse and injury. Seeking peace. Living under the smile of God. Now where in the world would you find this? And yet, yet that is the call of the Lord for our lives. It can be found in Christ and it can be found in those that are following after the Lord. And, and oftentimes I think when it comes to 
uh, our Christianity, let's say even in a marriage or in a home or in a church. Well, when they start living that way, I'll start living that way. When my wife starts submitting to me, then I'll love her like my own body. And like, it doesn't work that way. My wife has a command from the Lord. I have a command from the Lord. I stand and fall to the Lord. So whether or not my wife submits to me the way that she should, and she does, hallelujah, but whether or not she does or not, I'm, not, I'm still to do what I'm called to do. So remember that. We're not waiting for our church to all of a sudden be perfect and then, then I'll go along with it. When they start you know, uh, loving me and calling me up and checking on me and giving to me and putting me first, then I'll start doing the same for them. When they start serving me and ministering to me, then I'll do the same. No, it doesn't work that way. God's called us to it. Maybe if we would start doing it, we would see more of it ourselves. Maybe we could take the lead in that. God would be pleased with that, wouldn't He? If we actually started living that way. God helps us to do that. Amen? And so, when it says at the beginning of this passage, uh, finally, in verse 8, finally, it's tying in to kind of, kind of bring in what He's just been talking about to almost to its climax or to its intended end. And basically, the intended end here is love. Not some cheap, sloppy agape like they say. Not the world's view of love. It's bringing it to a true Christian love. That's what's exemplified here. Being courteous to our equals. Being pitiful or compassionate to people that are poor or hurting or afflicted. Uh, Not rendering evil for evil. What is all that? How could you sum all that up? That's love. We see it embodied in our Lord and Savior when He walked on this earth. So you could sum it all up. That's almost like a description of brotherly love. Christ's love for the brothers, through the brothers, to the brothers. And, and we see it uh, displayed in these different examples. But let's talk about this being of one mind, first of all, in verse 8. Finally, be all of one mind. Okay, When it's talking about being of one mind, we, when we did a series early on in our church, I forgot, maybe it was right at the, the, towards the end of, of last year, and we did like a seven or eight part series on the, uh, the characteristics of a healthy church. Remember that? We talked about unity. Unity is not simply unity at any cost. It's not a man-made unity. It's not uh, they were all robots cut out of the exact same cookie cutter mold. I can look around this room right here and I see different ages and I see different personalities and different walks of life. And God has chosen it to be that way. Everybody is not just to be exactly like everybody else in every area. I thank the Lord for the diversity in nature. And there's a diversity even within the body of Christ. But when it comes to the core fundamentals of our faith, we're to be like-minded. Doctrine, okay? The Holy Ghost, not Holy Spirit, not some other spirit. Devoted fully to Christ, not not some of us fully devoted to Christ and some halfway to it. Our unity should be on those things. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that we're endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It is not something that human beings, even Christian human beings, that we create. And, and I'm going to put up, you know, for Cornerstone Church, and I listed from the ceiling to the floor, here's how we're going to be. Okay? No, this is how we need to be. We need to be like Jesus. If you're being like this and I'm being like this, we're going to have all the unity God ever intended for us to have. I don't have to enumerate it out in in a bunch of Cornerstone Church principles, for example. Man-made principles don't work. 
The unity is a unity of the Spirit. He says, keep it, don't create it. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. The Lord's not divided. Is Christ divided? That's what Paul says. Is the Lord divided? He's certainly not. So if there's two people both claiming to be Christians and they're divided, there's sin in there somewhere. Misunderstanding, sin, weakness, something. It can be resolved. And God would have it to be resolved. There has to be humility. And there has to be you know, a true... Both parties surrendering to, all right, I've thought this all my life, and this says, I strongly believe this all my life. Both are going to have to yield to what thus saith the Lord and pray and humble themselves one to another. God can, make the, can, can bring the unity, create it, and He's able to keep it. Ours is to endeavor to keep it. Okay? And so, again, we're not talking about unity in the sense we're all like clones. We're not. And God will not have us to be. And I'm thankful that we're not. Physically, or personality, and callings in life, there's a lot of variations, a lot of difference. Even the way that the Lord describes His church as a body, in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 14, and also in Romans talks about it, that it's one body, but there's ears and nose, and you know, a human body's got eyebrows. This is totally different than a, uh, an elbow. You know what I mean? They're just so different. But you look at the whole thing, it's one body, and each is dependent upon the other for its life and survival, and it functions very much as one. All right, from the head all the way through the toes and the heel and everything. And so, uh, you know, we're not talking about unity like a brick or even a pile of bricks. We're talking about the house that's built by the bricks. You know, there's windows and doors and openings and hallways and so forth, and rooms and a roof and a floor. Every part's different, but it makes up one house. Okay? And the same, that is how the church is described as well. In addition to a human body, it's described as a house with Christ being the cornerstone and the capstone and Christ's life in His church and so forth. So that's the type of unity that we're to be when it says be all of one mind. Okay? And I think we've, we've covered that up very well and we're to endeavor to keep that and so let's move on uh, past the unity because we've, we've talked about that before it says having compassion one of another and so this would be like brother to brother okay brother to brother having compassion one to another he's talking about Christians are we to love our enemies and love yes that's another sermon for another day another thought but in this passage he's talking about Christians, how we're to treat one another. And we are to love them with the same love that we've been loved with. Alright? And that's going to include uh, times when that's very difficult to do. Right? Times when it's very difficult to do. It's something that would do well for us to keep in mind. For me to keep in mind. This love that the Lord's speaking of is not just emotional. God gives us emotions too, but we're not governed by those. And emotions don't constitute how we're to act and interact with other people on this planet either. It has to do with the Lord's love. It originates from God. And it consists not in emotions, but in the will. So you think about that. Does it affect our emotions? Can love be so passionate? Absolutely, and it should be. But it doesn't originate with emotions. The emotions stirred up because... Uh, I'm just stirred up with, with pity when I, you know, I see something. No, it really originates with the will. 
if any man will, the Bible says, okay, come unto me, for example, if any man will. And so it comes to consist not in feeling, but in doing. Love of God consists not in feeling, but in doing. How many of you know that we, we love each other, we love the Lord, we love our spouses, for example, we love our children? Has there ever been a time, I'll just ask the parents, when at any particular moment, moment in your life you didn't feel great love for your children? I mean, just talk about it. in that split second, there's times when the feelings were like, I cannot believe they just did that. I cannot believe that is so disrespectful. I can't believe they did that. And just for that flash of moment, the feelings weren't, weren't all warm and fuzzy. But in your heart, you never ever stopped loving them. You never doubted your love for them. The love never faltered. You see what I'm saying? It is more, much more than emotions and feelings. The love that we're talking about when um, being compassionate and loving one another, for example, is going to have to do with, with God's love. And it's an act of our will that I'm setting by the Lord's help, okay? Setting my heart to love even people that are, can be unlovable and so forth. And so it's not just in soft, fuzzy words. It is it's more from uh, unselfish deeds or acts. Really. And, and I think people can be fooled by that sometimes, but really when we come to know Christ, before you and I knew the Lord, whatever state we were in, we were a sheep that was going astray. We were sinners needing a Savior. You might have been a good old boy and a very nice person. Everybody thought you were nice. But still, before we came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and we were lost, everything we did, everything we did in life and decisions revolved around our own pleasure, happiness, reputation, wanting to be liked, wanting to be happy, wanting to be satisfied. How does this help me? It might have been packaged up a little differently, but still... The pivot point, I guess you would say, of everything was me. Self. That is the characteristic of man. Proud of life and, and so forth. It just comes to me. But when we're born again, that changes. And, it, and some of it changes right away and some of it will be as we walk with Christ through the years. More and more. But we definitely see it going that direction. And it should change to where everything doesn't revolve around me. It first of all, revolves around the Lord Jesus Christ and what glorifies and honors Him. And second of all, what glorifies and honors Him is for people to be giving and preferring one another. And that is not natural. That is not of Adam's nature and race. That is of Christ's nature and race. He even said, I didn't come to be, Son of Man didn't come to be ministered unto, not at the first coming, but to minister and give His life a ransom for all. He's washing their feet. Good night. He's the Lord and Savior. Well, that is given an example. It's not just in words. We're not to love in, in word and in tongue, James says, but in deed and in truth. Okay? So real love is going to be played out. Bumping, bump, bumping, you know, knocking the rough edges off of each other through life, all the way through life. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. And a lot of that can be from our speaking. A lot of it can just be in living with other people. People that are different from yourself, but they're part of God's family. And God has put us all together. If we'll all submit to the head, it's going to be okay. He's going to work it out. He's going to grow us in Him. I thank the Lord that He's able to do that. And so we're now more interested 
in what honors God and how, how serving God honors, uh, honors the Lord. Don't try, don't rush out there and say, well, I'm going to try you know, after this sermon tonight on Wednesday night. Now I'm going to go. That's it. Turn it over a new leaf and I'm going to do it. There's nothing wrong with deciding. Okay, because I think there has to be that first will, like we said, to will, to do it. But we have to just start, instead of saying, I'm going to go love the whole world, just start with one, just start with the people God put right around you. Start with the people in this room. Start with the people in your home when you go home tonight. And, and let this, let the Lord through you and me live, like it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, to live amongst them. Well, they're not doing it back. It's not being reciprocated back to me. Well, that's okay. God's taking care of you. Amen? God will take care of you. You know who's going to be the blessed one in the whole bunch? If you live in a big family and you're the only one really walking this out and you're getting trampled on, it seems like, you're going to be the blessed one. You're going to be blessed because God's going to give you a special blessing for that. God's going to touch your heart. He's going to encourage you. This love is going to well up in you and swell up in you and pour out through you. And you're going to say, thank you, God. I never knew I could love like that. It's you loving through me and He'll do it. And we have to keep going back to that fountain, you know, which is Christ, and being filled with His Spirit to do it. Just start with the little acts of kindness. You know what I'm saying? Start with little uh, the people that God's put around you. And remember, I think it was last week or the week before in this study, we talked about in the home, for example, if our Christianity breaks down to the breakfast table or the dinner, dinner table, boy, everybody thinks Pastor so-and-so or Pastor Randy or whoever is the most godly, wonderful person in the public or in the church, but they don't see you behind closed doors. If our Christianity breaks down behind closed doors, then there's a real problem because God sees that. That's really where it starts, Okay. And again, don't panic. Go to God and say, Lord, I'm really have been hypocritical. I'm not what I appear to be at church with the other believers. Help me to be that. Strengthen me. It's a kindness of God that shows you that, right? He showed you that because He loves you. And He showed you that because He's also going to make the change. He's going to do what you're asking Him to do. Guess what? Because He wants it in you. He's willing to do of His good pleasure in our lives. And so you're not praying contrary to the Lord that's what we need. Just confess it to Him. God, my Christianity has broken down to a great extent in my home and to, to those that I'm around most frequently and often. Help me, God. Help me to love them the way You love me. And so, tell the Lord you're willing to do it. I'm willing to love this way, or at least I'm willing to be made willing to do it. And He can take that. Amen? I'm so thankful that He can do that. What's going to show is in our inability and it's going to show His ability. And that His ability will come through. He's going to do it. He's going to perform it. And you'll just sit back in amazement. That could be in any walk of your Christian life. Lord, I'm so impatient. Please make me more patient. He shows you that you're impatient. You call upon Him for that patience. He may test you. He may try you. He may put you in certain circumstances. But then He's going to develop that patience in your life and you'll sit back and you won't say, wow, I'm a pretty good guy. Look how patient I am now. No, you're going to say, thank you, Jesus. I was desperate for this. It was a flaw. It was a lacking in my life and in my Christianity. It wasn't honoring to you. And I covered it really well, but inside it was eating me up. Thank you for helping me. 
And He'll do it. And all the glory will go to the Lord. Alright. Um, do it for Jesus' sake. Love your brothers for Jesus' sake. Like all we do it for Christ's sake. Not because you're feeling very lovely today. Everything's going great and the flowers are blooming and the weather's just right and you're just going to love somebody today. You know, most days are not that way. It's 100 degrees and the humidity, you know, everything else. You're stuck in traffic. And yet, God wants us to do it for His sake. Amen? He has no shortage of it. So let's look. The next thing, love one another and be pitiful and be courteous. Alright, love His brethren. The end of verse 8. Be pitiful, be courteous. Pitiful here simply means compassionate, okay? Sympathetic. Again, that's a godly trait. Jesus, when he was out, he was amongst the most sinful people, just like no different than today. He was around the, the worst of the worst, religious sinful, and non religious sinful. He was around everybody. And he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep having no shepherd. He was moved with compassion for the man whose son was demon-possessed. He was moved with compassion for the widow at Nain whose son, only son died and they're having the funeral service. He was moved with compassion. And so it's, it's a compassion to the weak. It's a compassion to maybe they're not our equals in, even in life. I mean, everybody's a sinner, but we wouldn't look at them eye to eye maybe because for some reason... And yet, God's called us to be compassionate, sympathetic, tender-hearted. Okay, and we all we have to do is think for about five seconds about Lord, how compassionate you are to me, how compassionate you were and have been to me. That's all. We don't have to go any further than that to say what's my reason for being compassionate to this person? They're just a lazy bummer. They're this or they're that, and yet. Uh, or they're afflicted, and I don't have time for that. I'm healthy and strong. Let somebody else take care of them. And all we have to think for a second is, who made you to differ one from another? It says in the Bible. Well, Lord, I guess I'm healthy and strong only because you made me healthy and strong. And that could be taken away from me in a minute. And so, I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to be compassionate to the weak and the afflicted and the poor in the in and because we understand what God's helped us with. It doesn't mean we're condoning someone. Let's say they're lost and in sin or even a believer that's fallen off in a backslidden. We're not putting our stamp of approval on their lifestyle. Don't ever condone what God doesn't condone. Don't ever, don't ever count lightly what God paid such a great price to redeem men from. And I'm talking about sin in all of its ugly forms. We don't overlook it and think we're somehow kinder and more merciful than the Lord Jesus. Because we're not. Don't condone what God doesn't condone. But still, we can, we can separate one from the other. And I do believe this to, to a great extent. I'm sure every little cliche has its, its limits. But we're to, to love the sinner and hate the sin. And I agree with that to a great extent. And so, we're not condoning sin, for example, in another person that's struggling. But... We're not at all condoning it, but we can still love them truly. Love them. We were that way once too, you know, before. And we could be that way if it weren't for the grace of God keeping us day by day and minute by minute. Even I've been, I've been walking for the Lord very successfully, I guess you'd say, for many years. That could be me in the next five minutes if I got lifted up in my pride 
or in myself. And so we have to watch that. So we're not talking about condoning it. Um, consider yourself also, lest you be tempted when we're, when we're dealing with compassion and going to, to people that don't know the Lord or people that have erred or believers that have erred off into sin. Be very careful of your, you know, yourself that you're prayed up basically and ready and mature and you've almost got a mission plan. I'm going in. I'm going to call Joe Blow and I know he's gotten off into this sin. God showed me. I'm going for this purpose because of God's love. He's sending me as a you know, commando basically in there to get him or, or a, you know, a EMS to bandage him up or something. I'm going for a purpose. I'm not going in there to blast him, to humiliate him. And if we're not careful, we can go in there and end up finding ourselves doing the same darn sins that they're doing. If we don't watch it, we've got to be careful. It says in Galatians, considering ourselves lest we also protect it. And so, anyway, then it says, uh, not rendering, verse 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, what we're to render in the place of those things is blessing, knowing that you're there to called that you should inherit a blessing. So there's a reward promise for it. There is a blessing that comes from being Christ-like. And I know you got your Bibles right there. Just look back at chapter 2, verse 22, just very quickly. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, suffered. He suffered, uh, threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. And so he, that's just referring back to that, I believe, in that same mindset. When we're railed against, ours is not to let me get back on that equal footing and rail against them. When I'm threatened, I'm not threatening back. What we render back, and the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. So somebody comes at me in that way. It does not mean that we're dish rags and we have no backbone and a floor mat, you know, a doormat just for people to walk all over. It does mean we're totally governed by the Holy Ghost and Christ is our example. There might be some point in there where God has you to stand up and say, no more. I love you. I'm praying for you. But this business partnership is over. You've taken, you've embezzled money long enough from me. You know, whatever. Where God brings an end to it. But even in that, we're to be Christ-like. But, but what we give back in place, whatever's coming against us that's not of God, that's sinful, that's hurtful, that's painful, that's lies, whatever it may be coming against us, all that needs to go back out of us is going to be blessing. Not sarcasm. nothing. Blessing in, in the Lord. That God may break off a relationship. He may do that. He's done that in my life. Where he breaks off a relationship, and I can still pray for him and love him, and whatever comes back out of me towards them, towards the railing and all that, should be Christ-like. I don't ever, ever have the the privilege, I guess you would say, or the calling on my life to to rail back, to threaten back, to curse back, to be mean back. Never. That's never an option for a believer. He might break off a relationship. He might transplant you out of a something, you know, where that that is the way it is all the time. He may not. But never do we, we have that uh, privilege or right. We don't belong to ourselves. 
And Christ left us the example in his own life. Amen. And so, and then he says, be courteous. And we're just going to kind of bring this to a close, okay? For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips from that they speak no guile. Let him eschew, or that means shun evil, do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. It talks about the eyes of the Lord being over all these, but but he talked about basically being courteous, okay? Being courteous to those around us. And basically that would simply be uh, just treating people with an amount of kindness and respect. This is not rocket science. This is like if somebody comes in. I'll give our our church for an example. Let's say uh, somebody new walks into our church and they don't have a place to sit. And it's a home church and it's already tight and it's already kind of a little uncomfortable and all that. The courteous thing would be for somebody, you know, to to give up their seat and let them sit there, right? But it's just courteous. That seems like such a, a no-brainer. And lost people can do that to an extent as well. But it's a godly trait. He's, it really is. And so um, we don't cheat. I think Jesus said, don't look to sit in the best seat unless somebody else comes along and bumps you, you know, and you're kind of humiliated and you've got to go down to a worse seat. Take the worst seat and let other people have the best seat. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, it's not about fair. It's about being courteous. It's about being Christ-like. It's about being kind. It's about treating people the way you would want them to treat you. It's about honoring the Lord and He smiles on that and He blesses that. And, and there's like a blessing in your heart and in your life because you do that. You all understand that. Okay? And... Uh, Let's just close with this to our to our enemies. All right, we don't we talked about that. We don't rail back on them. Our Christianity produces uh, walking with Christ gives millions. I'm, pro- I'm probably over over uh, exaggerating, but so many opportunities for the most minute little courtesies and kindnesses that I think we overlook all the time. Just being kind. Just doing a small act of kindness a lot of times in the name of the Lord. He says even a person that gives a cup of water to drink in the Lord's name, is not gonna, the Lord's not going to forget what they've done. Just a cup of cool water to somebody. Nobody's going to remember that. Nobody's going to see it. But the Bible says in Hebrews 6, God's not unrighteous to forget your labor of love that you've showed as you've ministered to the saints. He doesn't forget that. And so this is just um, Christian character. Christian behavior. How is it actually played out? Not just the big lofty songs and the theology and the poems, but day-to-day rubbing elbows with human beings like yourself, lost people and saved people, being kind and courteous and really taking the lead in that. Not waiting for it to blossom all around you and say, I'm going to jump on board with this. But you taking the lead, even if you have to take it alone, even if you may do it for a long time, God sees. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When it talks about not rendering evil for evil, and we're going to close with this little section, it's, it's simply saying, you know, the Old Testament law, for example, an eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth, and so forth, life for life, strike for strike, that was given in the Old Testament law, but there's something better that has replaced it Okay, there's something better. That was almost like a civil law of how to how to govern, you know, society. 
but there's something better in the church. And when somebody curses, we bless in return. And somebody do good to those that persecute you and despitefully use you. Jesus says that in the Sermon on the Mount, right? In Matthew chapter 5. And so there is something new. There's something different. We pray for those that despitefully use us. Well, they're not praying for me. We pray for them. Okay? Pray for them. If we're, if we're all we're ever worried about, y'all, if we're always worried about our rights, this is, this is one of the main things. I guess it could almost be summed up like this. If you and I go through life, and you look on TV, this radical uh, group, that uh, proactive you know, group, demanding rights for this group, and demanding right, rights for this group, and demanding rights for this group. If we're all, we, as Christians, we've been bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. So to, so to sum it up, if we're going to be miserable campers, okay, if we go through life and all we can think about is the injustices that are done to us, even in this group of few people in this room, or in your marriage, or in your home, or in the workplace, or in America, for example, and just bigger and bigger and broader, the injustices that are done to me, it's just not fair. I demand this right. I demand this right. And as Christians, if we go through life doing that, we're going to be miserable. And most of the people that are doing that over petty little nothing stuff in our nation right now are not happy people. They're not happy. And if they got that right satisfied, they'd be miserable about something else. We have a satisfaction in Christ he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. And guess what? We can go out and love them through, through the love of the Lord and by the power of the Holy Spirit. But don't just vindicate your rights all the time and demand your rights. We're just, just yield. Yield to the Lord. Okay? And whatever circumstances and situations He puts us in. And there's, some, there's a higher calling. Amen? There's just a higher calling. And that person's just never going to be satisfied. And y'all, I would simply say this in closing. We can, we can afford to do this. You say, well, I can't afford to do that because if I, if I bless people and give to people, basically I'm just everything I've got, I'm just giving it away with both hands. I'm giving it away so fast. Love and attention and kind words and staying up late to remember to call somebody because they're struggling and I'm giving my food away and my money away to poor people. Just giving and giving and giving. I can't afford to do that anymore because I'm going to be lacking. That we can be, take great heart and assurance. You can give it all away. Your Father has no shortage of supply. Amen? He has no shortage of supply of love, of patience, of compassion, of a giving spirit, of finances. Now you have to be foolish. You need to be led by the Lord before you give one penny away to anybody. Make sure God's Almighty is leading you in that. But my point is, don't worry about yourself. I'm preaching to myself, okay? Don't worry about yourself. You cannot outgive God. Give it away. Well, I'm giving attention away. I'm heaping praise on these people, and nobody ever once encourages me. Never. Okay? Well, do it. Your Father's going to encourage you. He, is, he has no lack of supplies. an endless supply of everything you need. And I promise you, as you're giving it out and giving it out and giving it out, He's going to be pouring it in, pouring it in. And it's going to be way more than what you gave away. It's going to be way better than what you gave away. It's going to be way more satisfying than if somebody did heap a compliment on me. 
I'd much rather have I'd much rather have the smile and the favor and the blessing of the Father or my Lord upon me. Amen. So that's just an encouraging thing. D, you can come. We're going to close with that, y'all. I said it at the beginning. I'm going to say it now. I don't stand up here on any of these sermons or any of this, especially tonight, claiming that I'm telling y'all how to do it because I've reached it. I'm a believer like y'all are a believer. I'm saying we need this. Is ongoing. Five years from now, if we're not raptured, we'll need this. You see? Hopefully we'll be further along in five years than we are now. We will be. Genuinely. Further along. And a year after that, further along. But it's, it's a progression where we're growing. Saved in a moment, but growing the rest of our lives on this earth. We need to grow in grace. We need to grow in this love and compassion for kind people and unkind people. For believers and unbelievers. Don't be afraid to give of yourself and what God's blessed you with. He's going to make it more than make it up to you. It's His supply for us. We come before You, Lord God. And Lord, we acknowledge our great deficiency, Lord. We don't stand up here boasting and saying we are the most loving people on the planet. We do stand before You saying, God, we want to be that. And if it's not even a desire in my heart, and it's not even a sincere prayer, then I am willing to be made willing that You would give me the desire to love like You love. And then through me, You would love with the love of the Lord. Love people that it's hard to love, God. Love people that are kind to me as well, God. Love through me. And Father, I pray You'd help us that our church would be a church filled with compassion, that we would be courteous one to another, that we would be kind one to another, God, that we wouldn't render railing for railing, that we would endeavor to maintain and keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, Lord God. We would all be of one mind, and that mind would be that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we want You above anything else and above any other consideration, we want Jesus Christ to be pleased to be glorified, to be magnified in our church, in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, in our workplace. We want Christ to be honored and lifted up and glorified. And so, Lord, we can all be in one accord, all desiring that. Father, I pray that You would help us. I pray that You would fill us with the Holy Ghost. You said it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, God, that You part Your Spirit upon us tonight. Every individual believer, if they're born again, God, would You fill them with the new fill in the Holy Ghost? If they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, would You help them by faith to ask and receive that wonderful gift that You have for them, Lord? Don't let us leave here tonight the way we came. God, I pray there would be a difference. We would try to tackle the whole world at once, God. Just give us Your compassion to love those we're going to work with tomorrow. Love those we're going to be in our homes with tonight, God. Truly love them with Your love, God. Would You do it through us, God? We thank You, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank You for loving us the way You do, Lord.